Buonasera a tutti e benvenuti a Kimberly's Italy. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Kimberly's Italy or welcome back. And I should say buonasera because it's an evening here and it was a rainy, sleety, icy day. Slushy, snowy. So we decided that it's not really an Aperol spritz evening. No. No. So I'm having a glass of Barolo, which I love. And Tommaso, for some reason, is foregoing that and having a scotch. I am foregoing that until dinner. And then I will have a <laughs> glass of Barolo. And I'm going to have one scotch and then a glass of Barolo. Okay, now everyone knows. Anyway, welcome back. I'm Kimberly Holcomb, and I'm here with Tommaso. Ciao, Belladonna. Ciao. Come stai? Bene, bene, molto bene. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I would like to thank everyone for listening and sharing the word of this podcast because we continue to get more listeners, which has led to more business for my travel planning services. And each of the people that I'm currently planning trips for now told me that they did specific searches for podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc., on either Lake Como or Florence or Italy in general, and they found us. Then two of the women I'm working for said, when I heard you guys describe like Lake Como and the hikes and this and that, well, I had to get in touch and you have to plan this trip for me, but I want it to be quote unquote, as fabulous as the ones you talk about. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, no pressure there. Italy fabulous. (laughs) So I'm doing it. And I also... I'm working on a few trips currently that came from referrals. So I just want to thank each of you that has done just that, referred me or shared our podcast with others. And I'd like to thank, I don't know the gentleman's name, but he said he listened in the past week to all of our episodes. And he he became addicted. Yes. And this is number 38. So you've got one more, sir. (laughs) And, um, And he said he went around and listened to a few other podcasts, but None of them made the grade, so it's it's all up to you, dear. You you do a great job. No, it's a team effort. Let's start with our next episode, which is carrying on with the Kitten Club. And just in case someone is logging on for the first time here, I'll just give a super quick synopsis why we sound so juvenile when we're calling it the Kitten Club. <laughs> but it's because starting last fall, I planned these two trips and they all happen to be women. So Tom jokingly called it the Kitten Club. And on the second trip, he came along as an escort. And one of the women on that trip called him the Tomcat. Okay. And then we go from there. It's funny, comical, but Kitten Club was the you know given name of these trips. It's so, a little bit of sailor's humor. Yes. Anyway, so, well, and you keep up with that when I describe the name that Tom gave to our passenger van I rented. <laughs> okay. I'll get there later. Anyway, so this new episode carries on from we were in Matera. Listen to that last episode if you'd like, because that place is just magical. Everyone should put that on their list. So we had to leave Matera. But as I also described in the last episode, there was a shopero. Shopero means strike. And it was all with airport workers. And our plan had been to drive back to Brindisi, where I rented the passenger van which tom nicknamed the litter box aka for the kitten club 
It just had that kind of smell to it. Anyway, it was fine. It worked fine. Six gears. I kept all six gears, a couple dents here and there, but litter box did us right. <laughs> anyway, the original plan, go back to Brindisi, drive from Matera to Brindisi, return the van and get on a flight to Rome, which is just how this second group arrived. A quick 50-minute flight from Rome to Brindisi, flawless, easy, small airport, all yep, good. Painless. However, because of this Chopro, I worried, and I took this from years of living there, experience that it could all just go ass over tea kettle, however you want to say that. I can't say tits up, can I? <laughs> you can. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. you just did, I did, and I'm leaving it in. Okay, fine. So finally, we all leave the incredible stone cave dwelling and the gentleman from the underground parking garage came to pick us up in his Mercedes van. We get in with our luggage. We go back to the lot. And he knew because I had asked him, you know, three days previously, I cannot drive this litter box back up this death spiral uphill ramp. I can't do it because I have to return the van and I don't want to pay for the scratches. You know, I'm going to get. So he just gave me the biggest smile and said, certo lo faccio. Of course, I'll do it. So I ran up the ramp, waited outside, and he sped up there as fast as he could. And you guys were all laughing. I was like, va bene, grazie mille. So we get in the van. I'm driving the six-gear stick shift, and we get straight on the Autostrada to Bari. Just wanted to waste no time. Nothing, you know, no back roads. Nothing, nothing scenic. Nothing just scenic this going. time. Nope. Autostrada the whole way. We get to the outskirts of Bari, and keep in mind, every city's outskirts are not that pretty, right? Even Paris, like the most beautiful city in the world, and those outskirts are pretty um, brutal also. <laughs> <Yes>. so, <laughs> so we're driving around Bari, and uh, no one said much, but I do know, I mean, Bari has an amazing history, and... These friends of mine from Lake Como moved there originally. That was their first introduction to Italy like 25 years ago. And they're like, Dio mio, that place a long time ago had quite the uh, scene going on. Anyway, Bari is worth a visit to the Centro Storico, the historic center. But in this case, we were just looking for the uh, Stazione Centrale, the main train station. The plan was... Uh, I would drop everyone off, minus one person. So we chose Livia to stay with me. I drop everyone off at the central train station with all of our luggage. Then Livia and I would drive to find the car rental agency office, drop the litter box off, get in a taxi, go back to the central station. So that's just what we did. And Tommaso was in the passenger seat with his phone, GPS. Take a right, take a right. I mean, and Body for a small place, pretty crazy driving. Yes, it right. Was. <laughs> Not as bad as Napoli. No, but no. I mean, small narrow roads. No one, no one pays attention to no, stoplights. No, they, that's crazy. No traffic. Traffic laws are merely suggestions. Yeah, <laughs> like stoptional. Stop stoptional. Anyway, so we finally find the central station, and Tom had it on his GPS. Central Station, Bari. We found it. We dropped him off with all of our luggage. Okay, ciao, ciao. See you in about half an hour. Just wait wherever we'll find you. Livia and I get back in the car. She's now in the passenger seat with her phone, GPS. 
because again, the litter box didn't have its own GPS. So she's directing me right, left, right, left. Oh my God, there's so many turns to get to this place. And a lot of them were one way, these roads. So because we, you can only fit one car. Right. <laughs> so we finally find it, but there was absolutely nothing that resembled a parking spot. You know, it was just cars everywhere. So I kept going around, going around. Finally, I was like, okay, this is crazy. I'm going to just go to the closest piazza, leave you with the key. Do you know how to drive a stick shift? And she goes, yeah, maybe 25 years ago, but fine, I can do it. I say, just keep going around this one piazza if police officer makes you leave. So I go running back to the office, give him my paperwork. And this one man says in Italian, in, in a good dialect, I will say, um, I'll come check out the car. So he walks out. He says, no word. I, I was trying to be nice and funny or whatever. Nothing. Gets out. Livia's in the car. Everything's fine. He walks around, makes no mention, says nothing. And I was like, well, first of all, there were like a bunch of dents and dings in the van before I even rented it. Right, right. And then I added maybe two. Hard to tell <laughs> am among, among the many. Anyway, so he takes his little clipboard and goes, check the bannock. And I give him the key and he walks away. Southern Italy at its best, right? <laughs> so Levy and I took a taxi. And again, we don't have our luggage. I just said to the man, Stazione Centrale. Drive around, drive around. We get there and he's like, Ecco, Stazione Centrale. Here we are. And we looked at it and we're like, What? This is not where we left the rest of the group. This place was old and had this red tinted old facade, like all Italian train stations, old. No, 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 no. Stazione Centrale. He goes, ecco, è la stessa. <laughs> it's the same. I was like, no, it's not. So I explained where I dropped you off. And I said it was more contemporanea, you know, more contemporary, modern. It's a lot of glass. Oh, capito. Uh-huh. The other side. The other side of what? He goes, the station. I was like, well, where is that? And he goes, well, you have to go here and here and here. I was like, can you just drive us there? <gasps> so he did another five minutes, another 10 euro. Who cares? We get there and there it was the glass facade of the back of this train station. But we had to drive far to get to a place where you could actually go on a through an underpass under the rail track. Meanwhile, I was trying to keep the kittens from pacing too much. Because it took us so long. Checking my watch. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. This is a travel tip I'd like to share. I think, well, I know this was the very first train station I have ever been to in all of Italy that had more than one entrance. Just like most of these massive central stations in all of Europe, there's one entrance. You go in, there's the big open train station and the tracks lead out from there. There's no back entrance. There's no side entrance. It's not like Grand Central in New York where you have six different entrances. Right, right, right. So travel tip, do your research. If you're in Bari. <laughs> yeah, if you're in Bari, maybe just don't take a train. <laughs> yeah. So that was my little travel tip. And it was funny, but all good. We got together and got, got whatever we needed. 
got on the train for a three-hour ride. That's it. And keep in mind that there was this shopero, the strike of all the airport workers, and I just felt so fine, like, oh, we're good. Some people got panini, bottles of water. Okay, we get on the train, get out our books. Everyone's sitting together, and we take off, and I don't know, maybe an hour into it, <laughs> stop. I was like, hmm, It also made that noise. Yeah. Then the brakes come on. Oh, so... The announcement over the speakers was problemi con il binario. Problem with the track. Okay. It happened again and again, and it dragged on. And I thought, oh, wouldn't you know it? The one time I take a train because of a chopero for the airport workers, the train's going to break down. So in the end, everyone else was very cool. And I will say everyone on the train was yep. totally tranquilo. Yep. No one complained. I was probably the most agitated, the agitated, agitated American. Yeah, right. I was yes. Like, well, only because it was a bad reflection on my choice. Well, if you ride Amtrak, you feel the same way. I mean, <laughs> right, it's no right. much different. Anyway, so that three hour train ride actually took us about five and a half hours. Mm hmm. And we finally got out. And to make it up to us, when we exited the train, there were train workers there that were handing out these little paper bags. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. So we take the paper bags and then we all run out to get to the taxi station because our palazzo where we were staying was maybe a 10-minute taxi ride away. We get out there and we're like, oh. Dio mio, such a long well, line. The line was a good 50 yards. It was like, oh, but you know what? The weather was nice. Yeah, it we was, made Rome. And we were there, but I, I forgot to mention that even though I was agitated on the train, what did Tommaso do? He kept getting out his phone and looking at the flights that took off from Brindisi. He goes, there's our flight. It left. And I was like, damn. <laughs> but we also had, we had to get there because we had a, we had a very important social engagement. We did. I'm about to explain okay. that. We get outside. We see this huge line of people waiting for a taxi because Every single train, most likely, was delayed. So when people finally got out there. I have a question before you said that. What was in those bags that we got? Well, I forgot. Bad panini. Ah. <laughs> so we were all waiting. Forgettable in the, panini. Right. We were all waiting in the line thinking, what'd they give us? A bag of money? And instead, we all looked at it. It was like bad panini. Rocks. Well, so you, you don't remember this, but you mm -hmm. took everyone's bag and walked over to where a couple not homeless per se, but some people were hanging out sitting there and they had lots and lots of bags of these foods. So we donated to the pile yep. and they probably shared them with their friends. Yep. We, our obsession to get to the palazzo where we're staying on time is because we were meeting Livia's old, old friend. They went to Rhode Island School of Design together 25, 30 years ago. And this man is an industrial designer and he moved to Milan right out of university and stayed. So he had been living in Milan all these years, and it, they're really good friends. And I was very excited to meet him, knowing that we probably lived there at the same time, but I only stayed six years, and he was there this whole time. So his daughter, who also lives in Milan, was in Rome as well, and 
this man, Bruce, came with his girlfriend, Elena. So we were determined to try and meet them before they arrived, and they were taking a train from Milano to Rome. Yes, they were also staying with us in the palazzo. Yes, so, so we had all five rooms in this little palazzo. We had this place to ourselves. It was so idyllic. It was perfect. We are waiting in the line for the taxis, and they just kept coming and coming, and it was not that long, really. It was efficient. It was kind of impressive, but we had to split up because there were six of us with luggage. So you went with two women, and I went with two others, and I was in a van with Livia and Rosanna. Neither of them had ever been to, no, not Livia, sorry, Ninetta and Rosanna. Neither of them had ever been to Rome nor had you. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to see your expression, but I was in a van. And were you in a van? I, I don't remember. Uh, I was sort of used to it, though, because station wagon driving in Italy anywhere. No, what I meant was how we actually arrived to the palazzo. Oh, that was no. It was, <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was crazy. That was. <laughs> <laughs> because our little palazzo is on a car-free, in a car-free neighborhood, but this particular quote-unquote street, which is really like a sidewalk, is very narrow. But as I mentioned, the weather was incredible and warm. and Everybody was out. It was aperitivo hour. Yep. Too early for dinner, per se, but, you know, everyone was outside at the aperitivo hour, and it was jam-packed. Tables all over this quote-unquote street. And our taxi driver, who's in this van, he's like, ah, que cosa. No way. I mean, obviously, every taxi driver in Rome has to be really, really good to know how to drive around there. But this particular man probably had never driven down this teeny, teeny little street with all these people on it. But he did. And the people didn't even flinch. They're just drinking their aperitivo and having their little snacks and not even noticing this Mercedes van is basically rolling over their no, it was, it, it was a game of pedestrian driver chicken. <laughs> so he finally lets us out. You guys were right behind us. I think you were in like a sedan, but what? you all fit. Yeah. Anyway, it wasn't quite as harrowing as the Mercedes van. So we unload, we go up to the uh, Palazzo. And this place is a sweet little place I stayed in before. You can hear about it in previous episodes, but it was the first time for this kitten club to see everything. And keep in mind that for both of these two group trips, I chose because of COVID to find small places that had no reception, no bars, no restaurants, et cetera. And that's what we did. And so on this second trip, our first place in Monopoly, we had the whole floor of an ancient old building, all the rooms and a teeny little breakfast hangout room. It was absolutely perfect. Then we went to Matera and we stayed in the stone cave dwellings that did have a breakfast room, but minimal people and just felt so cozy, for lack of a better word. And then finally, this place. And we had all five rooms. And I would say the following. I've never stayed in a place like this Palazzo having the whole floor. And I've stayed at many hotels. If you could fill up that place with people, like a family with your friends, with your friends, exactly. like this a trip where like everyone, we did same thing. It was so comfortable. It was perfect. It was, it was so easy because you're not sitting in the hotel bar with a lot of people at the end of the day, you're 
uncork a couple bottles of wine. He felt it was like your own apartment. Yes, exactly. In an ancient old palazzo. I wish in it was. Rome. I, I wish, wish it was, it was. My, my apartment. <laughs> it was. It was rocking. It was awesome. So, keep in mind the type of places we stayed. We get in to this place and. Everyone puts their bag and bags in their room and we were waiting for Bruce and Elena to come. And all of a sudden, Livia walks out and she said, Kimberly, every single accommodation that you have chosen for our trip has far outsurpassed my highest expectations. And she just said that to me while we're standing in this common living room area. And I thought, oh, I was so pleased to hear that. Well, the upgrade of Matera made a big impact also. Oh, yeah, we did get an upgrade. That's true. <laughs> you have to listen to that previous episode. I did score the largest caves. But anyway, it was a kind thing to say. It was genuine. It was, it was and it genuine. made me very happy because I did all I did because of COVID. And also I stayed in a budget. Right. And everyone was happy with the choices. So Right there was the start to a good night. And boy, did we have a good night. We had a great night. So all of a sudden, Bruce and Elena arrive. And as I said, they're old friends. So it was nice to witness old, old friends. friends reconnecting after so many years. Yeah, it was great. And then Elena, the girlfriend, oh, I loved her because the next morning she called me Caramilla, which is a really endearing term. You don't say that to people you don't like. <laughs> yeah, we've been calling her La Capa. Oh, everyone called me La Capa. We took off and as I mentioned, Bruce's daughter was in Rome for work and she works in the food industry. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to have three Milanese here, even though Bruce is American, but he's lived in Milano for, for 30 years. And Elena's Milanese and the daughter grew up there with a Milanese mom that, oh, Madonna Mia, I hope they love this restaurant because I really did. But I'm a tourist. I know my Italian cuisine, of course, but Roman cuisine, do I know it as well as the others? No. So there would be nine of us at this restaurant. Elena, the daughter, was already there. And as we walked in, she's at the best table. There's a table for nine. She's by herself. She got there before us. And all of a sudden, the owner, the waiters, everybody, the staff's like, ciao, Kimberly. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been there before. I know, but it was just such a nice entry for all of your first nights in yeah, Rome. Yeah, it was. Right? Yes. So it was great. So we sat down, said hi to my friends, the servers, Ken and Alexi and everybody and the owner, ciao, ciao, ciao. And then we ordered some wine and the first course is just appetizer type came and came and came. So I just want to fill you in what we had because it was like an extravaganza of heaven. Fried squash blossoms, artichokes in the Roman style, which are grilled. We had some brasella for you, Tommaso, mm -hmm. with arugula, da morire, eggplant parmigiano, which... For you. <laughs> but everyone loved it. All the Milanese loved it. And mm -hmm. eggplant parmigiano sounds like a typical... Italian-American dish. This thing was unbelievable. But I think you also have to understand it's like war between Italians, regions, and their exactly. food. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So if you're Milanese and you're going right. to Rome, right. you're looking at everything with a hairy eyeball going, mm -hmm. hmm. Like, for example, they would never order a risotto Milanese in Rome. 
So they were all impressed or they were being nice, but I think they were impressed. Yeah. It was delicious. And then I don't remember anyone's second course because then we had a lot of wine. It was all delicious. But I do remember since it was your first night in Rome that we had a caucho and pepe. Finally, I had caucho and pepe. And I think I probably had three or four of them in Rome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you tried. Didn't you have a carbonara? I did. I did. And I did not. That wasn't my thing. Wasn't your jam. We'll we'll get into that later. But that first Caucho Pepe and the vibe with the friends were there and we were at that table and we you walked in, the lighting was perfect. The lighting was so nice and it just looked it just looked it looked happy. Yes. (laughs) It looked happy. And after that after that five hour train ride, yeah. Happy was a good thing. Yes. It was just the perfect evening, right? Yep. Yep. Anyway, so after that we left and Rosanna she made it her mission for her entire two weeks in Italy to have a gelato every single night. And she did. So when we left there, I said, well, Rosanna here would like a gelato. And I happen to know two of the best places, I think, in this neighborhood. So Elena, like who's teeny weeny, she's like, oh, you voglio un gelato anche. I want one too. I was like, oh my God, I think we had dessert at the restaurant, but okay. Because... Rosanna had to have tiramisu everywhere. Oh, also, she yes. did tiramisu each night and gelato. Yes. But then she walked it all off. So it was all right. good in the end. Right. right, yeah. Anyway, so we went down into this awesome little neighborhood outside the Spanish Steps, got a gelato, then walked back up to the Spanish Steps themselves. No tourists in sight, which kind of blew away Bruce and Elena. This is Rome right now. Right. And it was so perfect. And then we eventually made our way back to the palazzo. We had a glass of wine. And then we just sat there and talked about what everyone wanted to do. Bruce and Elena live in Milano. They go all over Italy, but they had specific things they wanted to do, which were some contemporary art museums, et cetera. Uh, Rosanna and Chiara wanted to see the Vatican and whatever. Everyone had something to do. And Tommaso and I. And Rosanna wanted to go to her convent. Which I did. With the convent. Oh, yes, they, that was so If awesome. she was in some special school way back when. Yes. You could knock on the door yes. and get in right above the Spanish steps. And I did it. Yeah. I made it happen. Yeah. She was so happy. Yeah. But anyway, so Tommaso hadn't seen anything, but he was so excited because Rome has been on his list forever. And for all the trips that we have taken to Italy together, we just never got to Rome. Or if we were close, we didn't have enough time. And I was like, you can't go to Rome without at least four days. Or if I was on a regatta, someone booked the flight for me and I flew through Rome airport and I just looked out the window of the plane. But he was mostly excited because he's such a lover of history and culture. We were talking over wine, uh, yet another glass of wine in the Palazzo at, at the end of the evening of all the things he wanted to see. And there's so much. So, Tommaso, you're the in-house historian here. So just in-house historian. Yes. <laughs> so share some random facts. Well, Rome was founded in 753 BC by Romulus. And he had... Hence the name. That's hence the name. But he had a brother, Remus, and they were abandoned by their parents and they're rescued by a female wolf, as the story goes. Oh, right. And the she-wolf suckled the two boys until they grew up. 
Oh, me. Well, whatever, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but as adults, Ramus and Romulus wanted to found a new city, but they couldn't agree on a name, nor the location. And a fight ensued, and Romulus killed his brother, Ramus. Oh, yeah, I, I know, I know. It's, you know, okay. whatever. They were raised by a wolf, you know what I mean? Right. And Romulus found Rome on the Palatine Hill. So the nickname of Rome is Caput Monde. And I checked that because I remember I Pronunciation. Was gonna, I checked Caput Monde. I think that's Latin. Yes, it is Latin. Okay. It's Latin for capital of the world. Actually, Rome has several nicknames. It's first known as the Eternal City, or also it's known as Urbs Eterna, which is also Latin for the Eternal City. Urban came from, oh, derived see. from that, I right? You meant herbs like rosemary. No, no, no. U-R-B-S. <laughs> U-R-B-S. And Rome was founded on seven hills. There's the Aventine, Calian, Capitoline, Esquiline, Palatine, which we mentioned, Curinal, and Viminal. And basically, a lot of the words we use today obviously come from Latin, but the word palace comes from that Palatine Hill. That was where everyone lived on the Palatine Hill. At the you, beginning. At the beginning. 700 BC. Yeah. If, if you, 300 BC. Yeah. If you were a Roman rock star, you were living up there. Palatino. Yes. Okay. Palatine. And that's where the word, like, obviously, palace evolved from. Okay. Another thing, when you walk around Rome, you have to think about this. Rome was the first city in the world to reach a million people. And that's pr pretty... I, oh, well, just well, in let, history. Let me roll on here for a second. That's a pretty interesting fact because it shows how Rome was actually the center of the world in ancient times. Rome reached a million inhabitants in 133 BC. Damn me. Okay. And as a comparison, Paris, it only reached that number in 1850 what? and London in 1810. Well, the so, Roman Empire has that reputation for a reason. Well, that's also at its peak. The Roman Empire in its entirety had around 90 million people. Right. I, but living in Rome, 1 million people. 1 million people. In still 100 BC. Yes. Damn. So I have a lot more facts and they tie into some of the things we did. And I just want to save a few more for every episode. So I'll stop there as the in-house historian. <laughs> Well, the fact there were 1 million people living in Rome in 100 BC. The one, whoa, bah, 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 let me go back. Um, That's just mind blowing. 133 BC. It's completely mind blowing. And at the next episode, I will talk about the density of the people because Rome wasn't the size it is today. Right. But the density of the people. And if any of you have ever been to Times Square or in <laughs> London or Rome uh, at any given time when it's a mob scene. It'll give you an idea of how many people were in a square mile. Anyway, that's the historical facts for the day. <laughs> More to come. More to come. All right. So we will carry on next week with our first official day in Roma with Kitten Club 2. And what a day it was. Can I just give her a little preface here? Yes. It was about and I'm not kidding. It's your show. You can do whatever you want, dear. <laughs> it was about 70 degrees, 65 degrees, hot and sunny. In November. In November. And just luck of the draw because of this time frame, COVID pre-Omicron and people not traveling yet. We had that city to ourselves. And Tommaso and I actually will get into it. But we actually walked through the entire Augustus 
Roman Forum. No, 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 not yet. Don't tell anyone that. Without, no, without stop. anyone. <laughs> anyway, okay, so va bene, that's it. All right, what do we have to say? Except grazie mille tutti. We really, really appreciate it. I just want to give a quick shout out to a woman named Katrina that left us a review on Apple Podcasts. She got in touch with me directly and said that she found our podcast and they've been planning this honeymoon of theirs for two years, I guess, but they couldn't go anywhere because of COVID and they're finally doing it. And it's now actually like their second anniversary, basically, but they're going and they are going to go to Nostra Vita Vineyard in Tuscany because of our podcast and how perfect it sounded to them. Like that's what we want to do on our honeymoon for at least one day. So Buon Luna di Miele, happy honeymoon, enjoy it. And thank you so much for those kind of reviews. And I'd like to shout out one more to Moose. who oh, sent Moose you Moose Unfiltered. Moose Unfiltered. <laughs> okay, Moose. Moose made a great suggestion, which I thought about. I talked about the Bluetooth speaker in Gregorian chant in Matera. And he said, you can take your phone and put it in a coffee cup and have the same somewhat effect of a Bluetooth speaker. Well, Moose, I got to tell you something. <laughs> the Italian espresso cups. It's like a thimble. It's like a thimble. <laughs> and the cappuccino cups are about half the size of a small Starbucks. At the time, my iPhone 8 Plus wasn't going to fit in there. But now we have an iPhone 13. And I checked it out the other night sitting there. And it's still <laughs> not going to fit got in our, there. He said, I'm going to check out Musan Filter's idea. We now have these iPhone 13s, the large ones. And our largest coffee cup, we couldn't even get half of it into it. But it was a great idea. Thank you, Moose Unfiltered. Thanks and for the feedback, Moose. Yes. Okay. Va bene. Grazie tutti, amici. E ci sentiamo la settimana prossima. Thank you so much. And check in next week. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. <laughs>